every successful person got there by going through tough times. Success is a hard-ass teacher who likes to knock you around along that journey. You know, it takes real guts to not give up and keep going. We'll hear stories about failures and how these leaders flipped the script to create success. I'm John Schultz. Join me and let's discover how success is never really overnight. So welcome to the John Schultz podcast. This might be end up being my favorite podcast if this is all over. Why? Because I know Mary Ansel, who's not... Brian might get mad at me if I said that. So maybe <laughs> tie with Brian Ansel, but we're going to have Mary Ansel on it today. I've known her, her family forever. They're in our community. We spend time uh, socially together with uh, her and her husband, Mitchell Ansel, who I have to give a shout out to him as well. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're, you're uh, on today. Thank you for having me. So appreciate it. You're welcome. So Mary has a cool story. Uh, you know, today she's open heart yoga founder, teacher, board member, started that in 2014. It's located in the Shrewsbury Red Bank area. It's an amazing studio. You can see a, a little bit of it behind you. It's in a beautiful office building. And uh, we're going to talk about that. She has a Wonderful husband, Mitchell Ansel, and three kids, Carly, Stephen, and Matthew, uh, almost the same ages as my kids. But we grew up all together, and we're still friends, so that's terrific. So I'm very excited to do this. So myth of overnight success, and I always say when I, when I do these, it's like I, I get to know my friends even better, right? Like, and uh, I've had a couple on uh, lately, so this has been a, a new and fun experience. So you grew up in Springfield, New Jersey, right? What would you say, first of all, shaped your early life and, you know, what kind of values you think you learned when you were younger and maybe some of the challenges you had? Absolutely. Our childhood definitely affects who we are at this present moment. I am a native New Jerseyan. Um, I am number three out of four children. So my brothers, my sister, they all grew up and still reside in New Jersey. My parents actually met in high school in New Jersey and they still live here. And my grandparents came to New Jersey from Ellis Island, from Italy, from Ireland, from Scotland. So I'm aware that when people talk about New Jersey, they think of traffic, they think of crowds, um, but I really think it's a beautiful balance of the ocean and the beach and the mountains and the forest and the countryside and the cities. So. I really resonate with connecting to nature and um, I really value my alone time. I value connecting within and staying curious how I'm connected to everyone and everything, but I also love the energy of cities. So um, New York City is so close to us and fabulous New Jersey cities. So it really, because of that balance that I resonate to so much, and I think almost every Jersey girl has a nice combination of grit and grace. And I really had to tap into those qualities at a young age. Um, at 12, I was told I had scoliosis and it's a curvature of the spine and that I had to wear a brace from the top of my cervical spine all the way down to my tailbone for like when I was 12, 13, 14. So that was really a difficult time for me. Um, 
I had to tap into grit. I had to tap into grace. And I had to go to school with what felt like armor every day. And, um, and so looking back though, that scoliosis um, experience really was a major seed as to where I am right now in this present moment. It's one of many seeds. Well, first of all, Bruce Springsteen wrote about Jersey Girls, and you're definitely one of them, right? <laughs> Grit was in that song, and he knew it, and we all know it. Uh, so, you know, that's that's hard, right? Because, up, you know, it's not like you were born with it, right? All of a sudden, right. at 12 years old, you know, I'm, I'm an American uh, Got Talent fan, and there was this uh, dance group that was on, and the one uh, girl in the dance group had scoliosis, and she performed with it right after she got out of her brace right and she had surgery and you know the team was behind her so what so obviously you felt it what like what challenges and you know how did it make you stronger right because you, you had this normal life then boom and even right. though thank god it worked out but like what do you what did you get from that i mean i know you got grit but yeah you know, well i called it a seed but at the time it was like it felt like a weed right but the weeds really help you with your growth as well. So it made me develop self-confidence. I had to go into school with a big brace on every day. So it made me develop internally a lot more than externally. Um, so maybe people judge me for a moment uh, because I was wearing a brace, but hopefully the energy that I admitted, you know, showed them something else, so. Did your friends support you? Did you have any yes. hard times? Oh, they did, well, that's yeah. good. Yeah, because that's did. not always the case, right? Correct. And actually, one of my best friends had to get had to have a brace as well. So, um, but we had, you know, we were the only two out of everyone. So, all right. So you're 12 years old. You go through this. You get through it. Yeah. Once it sort of got to where you could move on from it, did you still play sports? App? Like, like, how did you move through that? Right. What was the so, first thing you wanted to do? Well, you know, it was hard to move, it was hard to move in a brace. So. 12, 13, 14, when I got that off, I, you know, was into gymnastics and moving and moving was really medicine. Moving was my medicine. And um, so beautiful experiences throughout my lifetime going down to the Jersey Shore. I, I worked on the boardwalk and I also was a lifeguard. So that's another nice balance of not city and beach, but like, you know, energy and nature, right? So and then in my 20s, I became a special ed school teacher. I love, love, Did you love. learn that? Did you want to do that when you were in college? Like, did you choose that or how'd you get into that? I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I didn't know I wanted to be a special ed teacher until uh, that evolved. Um, I uh, went to college for early education and got certified uh, K to 12 special ed, K to 8 regular ed. So um, it was easier to get a job um, in special ed. And because it was a new, uh, I guess when I was going to school, there really wasn't special ed um, classes. But when I graduated from college, more schools were developing their special ed program. So they needed a lot of teachers. And right away, I became a junior high special ed teacher. And I just loved, love, love, and still love teaching. That's um, great. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's so important. I mean, it's everything. I mean, education, if you just look throughout history, separated why anyone's anything. And I just wish we could actually focus more attention on that in our world and, and made that more important, meaning 
teachers should make a lot more money, I think. Uh, all right, so you went to college. Was your first job a teacher? Was that your first yeah. job? Um, well, I was a lifeguard. I worked on the boardwalk. Right. Waitress. But my first um, job in my career was a special ed teacher. And um, and around that time, that was my, in my 20s, that's also when I met the love of my life, Mitchell. And um, so we... Um, we just had beautiful experiences together and created a family of five. Um, we had three children in less than four years. And that's when I started finding yoga as well. So yoga came into my life around that time. Um, pregnancy for me was the most amazing, wonderful experience, but it also took a little toll on my body because of the scoliosis. So my neck had a lot of pain, my back, some pain. And thankfully my doctors, instead of prescribing medicine, they said, how about some more movement? Try yoga, try swimming. So movement is medicine, like I said earlier, and I tried both of them and yoga stayed with me and is a constant thread throughout my life right now. I, I just, I love that. I, yeah. You know what I love? First of all, you wanted to be a teacher. What does yoga people do? They teach people how to move and, and you know, have a different sort of meditative state with their bodies. but it only happened because of your issue, right? Like as that, much as this scoliosis, because it seemed like you like got out of, you know, worked, always got jobs, like it, like nothing stopped you from just being the doer and the helper and the giver and the happy person you are. And then you're, now you're combining both your things. So let's talk about it. So yeah, yoga was good for you. And obviously you felt now you wanted to give that to the world, right? Yeah. So how did you start this open heart yoga? And cause still like starting a new business regardless is a hard thing. What, what was the impetus, impetus of that? Well, the impetus was because I went and started practicing yoga regularly. I first went just for a physical relief of my back pain and neck pain. And I did get that. I got that physical relief, but I received a multitude of beautiful blessings from yoga that you can't count. You can't even um, talk about each one of them. You just could feel them. Give us one, because I, I love this. Give me one uh, blessing. Greatest gift is presence, right? So being present, being right here, right, uh, not you know five minutes ago, not last week, not thinking about what's happening later on, just being here and connecting to your breath, really, you can't help but be present. So. You just practice that on the mat. On the mat, you get so many gifts, but you don't keep them on the mat. You bring them with you off the mat, right? It's focus, resilience, uh, you know, handling stress, staying calm, staying right here. Um, but there's so many more. And I was thinking to myself, it should not be, um, it should be more inclusive. Yoga should be for everyone, right? It shouldn't be um, an exclusive yoga studio or in an exclusive club, it should be in, you know, an inclusive non yoga studio. So around this time when we were having children and I was practicing yoga, Mitchell and I were really active in supporting and volunteering for our amazing nonprofits right around this county. Monmouth County has so many nonprofits and charities, each yeah. resonating with amazing missions, each giving so many resources to our community that we couldn't help but support them. Um, we want them to stay here. So we, that was another, another seed that 
you know, was planted in my yoga mind and my creating a family mind and yeah. loving, loving teacher. So I love, love to teach, love community, love nonprofits, love yoga. Something's happening. So. All right. So talk about that because it's interesting. Like, you know, and I get what you mean about inclusive. Like you wanted to offer it to way more people in a different way in a community that, you know, you wanted to share it with. Why'd you make it a nonprofit? Like, like, um, that's unique. Like this is a unique thing you did. Like, like yes. explain that to us. I thought it yoga should not be a privilege for some people. It should be a given for everyone. So we need um, more people to practice yoga. If more people practice yoga, they dive into themselves a little bit more. They connect with themselves and their connection with everyone else. So the people them. sponsor, like how, how does it work with a oh, nonprofit? So right. that like for the community, like right, the people so, sponsor certain, you know, ways yes, to get people to come in. Exactly. So I'm obviously really good at dreaming and, and imagining, but you need to like make these things happen. Right. So I, um, resonate with energy and there's seven major chakras in your body and not even knowing it subconsciously, I use that energy to create my business plan. So, um, the first chakra, which is down by the, you know, your, your tailbone, it is the one that, um, I spent most time in, uh, creating. So this is what it's this. You're going to think it sounds a little hokey, but this is what it is, right? No, so I know. the first chakra, and every chakra, again, it has, it has a sound, it has a pitch, it has a color, it has an element, but I'm not going to talk about all those. I'm going to talk about the energy and how it helped me with my business plan. So chakra number one, base of your spine, it is feeling at home in your body, feeling safe, feeling um, secure. So I said to myself, I want to open this nonprofit yoga studio. How do I feel about this? Am I safe? Am I, uh, what's the worst case scenario that can happen? What's the best case scenario? What are the risks involved? Is it going to affect my family? All of these questions. So I thought about them and first and foremost, my family, yes, it's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my family beautifully. Like Carly, Stephen, and Matthew were like, go for it. And they helped me spread the word. And, um, they helped me with mind body platform. They helped me with social media. I never had Facebook. Instagram, yeah. any of it. So they, um, and Mitchell was 150% behind me, very supportive. And, um, so I was very comfortable with that, but I wasn't comfortable with business. Right. So I'm a teacher. I love yoga, but you know, paying rent, paying that, you know, all of the other business stuff. So I really educated myself with, um, nonprofits, um, was online printed out, uh, papers and filled out applications and got a lawyer and spent a lot of time and effort and time and effort. And it didn't take months. It took years to get a 501c3 approval. And we became a nonprofit, um, I think 2014, like you said, or 2015. And, um, but it was a nonprofit without a home. So we didn't have a brick and mortar, but I went and spread the word about open heart yoga, how I wanted it to be, have greater access to yoga and mindfulness. I worked at retirement homes. I worked at safe houses. I worked at, um, parks and beaches and schools, um, just to, you know, get the word out that I'm going to be opening up a studio, but I still wasn't feeling a hundred percent safe 
you're never a hundred percent safe, but I still wasn't feeling safe to open the studio. So thankfully when you open a nonprofit, you have to have board members. And I surrounded myself with the smartest, most amazing women. Um, so Robin Klein is our president. Sima Epstein and Felicia Stoller and Janet Widener are all on our board and they all are so smart and give off amazing energy and beautiful fortes and their expertise and everything. Their um, energy nourishes open heart yoga beautifully. So then finally I was safe. I felt good about it. And then we're going to move on up to the second chakra. It's like right above your tailbone. It's below your navel. It is your creative energy. It's like when you open up your hips in class here, y'all, y'all know where your hips are, but where is your creativity? Where is your connection to um, your relationships? So that's what I um, thought about for a little bit. And I said to myself, how cool would it be if you come into class and you buy a class or you buy a package a month, uh, an unlimited, whatever you buy, you're donating. So practice and give that ended up being our, our tagline, open your heart, practice and give. So whatever you buy, you're donating. Um, and you're donating your package to our local nonprofits. So the volunteers, the recipients, and even some employees of our community partners practice for free because of our, our students. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard of another yoga studio operation doing that. And I've never heard many other businesses doing that. So, I mean, I, I, really, it's, it's very unique and very, very good. And it's such a community thing. It's like community on steroids. That chakras probably lighten up all sorts of stuff right now. So, so <laughs> that's good. So how many customers do you have now? I, you know, MindBody is a great app that we use that keeps track of all of our customers. I'm not sure how many customers we have, but um, we have a lot. We have about four or five classes a day. We have eight or nine teachers. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So we're- All right. So now, so what, go, listen, you said it was a couple years to get this nonprofit. Like, what are some of the challenges? Because listen, you could be safe. Yeah. Well, you know, like, that's our mind helping us, right? Because if exactly. we think it, it will be. Uh, you didn't really understand business, social media, you pulled in all this support. What have been some of the challenges though, that you want to break through now that you've learned a little bit more about how to run this business, you know, more of a brick and mortar and all well, the stuff that There was like so much more that went into it even before we opened. Like, was I self-confident? Was uh, That's your third chapter, by the way. It's powerful yep. above your navel. Um, it's where your self-confidence, your willpower, your self-esteem, reside and I was all in, my family and friends were all in, but I still needed a little extra. So I, um, I incorporated corporate sponsors to our open heart yoga and we have dentists, we have builders, we have realtors, we have lawyers um, that really help us be sustainable. So, um, and it, in return, they could, uh, we give them yoga vouchers for their employees, for their patrons, etc. So that, um, that is very helpful. And then also, you know, our, we just felt like we were following our heart. We, uh, 
the next chakra, obviously open heart yoga, our favorite chakra, um, Anahata chakra. So we really were leading with our heart. We knew that this was going to be good for the community. We knew that it's people practice yoga. So why not? Why wouldn't they want to practice here and, you know, give benefits to somebody else? It feels good. So we thought we're on the right track. So you mentioned, you know, when you first went in this, you had the balance thing you were worried about, your family, right? Right. So how's that going? Like, like has the balance worked? What are some of the challenges with it? Because listen, when you get into your business, we all know we can't help it, right? We're in it. We want it to succeed. So do you feel you're able to maintain that balance as the board, you know, teacher, board member, founder? It's, it's a lot. Great mom. <laughs> I think that um, it's a really nice balance because we have a great team. So when anyone wants to go on vacation, when somebody's not feeling well, we all chip in and teach for each other, right? So, um, and also it was a great time for me to start this endeavor because my children were, you know, more independent. And um, so the balance worked. I could still go to football games and anything at school because my classes were at different times. And again, we did a lot of substituting. So, um, so it worked out. And you got, you got uh, eight, nine people. That's amazing. That's, yeah. uh, and, and it's amazing what growth over a very short period of time, but you know, it's really not a short period of time. That's what everybody doesn't realize, right? Yeah, no, we say not. that cause it's up and running. No one realized it took you five, eight, nine, ten 10 years to get it to exactly. this amazing place, you know, with, yeah, JBG. So just even getting these organizations to trust you enough to allow you into their organizations. Amazing. Exactly. So let's talk about like mental health, uh, just what's going on in the universe today. And it just seems social media and all this stuff is making it like escalate and go faster. Like where does yoga play a role and how can it help in this and how, can we educate younger people? Cause I, I like, whenever I go to yoga class, it seems like a lot of older people go. Right. Like how do we get the younger community where I think it's like so necessary now to, to, to look at this as something rather than pain medication or all this other stuff. Well, they know the secret. So the younger kids do know the secret now. So they, they come in here and they practice and they can't wait to come to their mat. And I go to schools, I taught the RBC football team, um, 70 football players at once. Um, and I teach preschoolers. So they found yoga a lot younger than I did. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that they're doing. Um, connecting to your breath, like I spoke to you about earlier and connecting within and just checking yourself out. When you first come to your mat, how do you feel? All of these poses, it doesn't matter how they look. It matters how they make you feel. What are the, what's the energy you're balancing? Sometimes you're more physical. What are you strengthening? What are you opening? Um, and mental health is, you know, I think that there's so many poses, for example, that improve your mood just by getting your head below your heart. Like in inversions don't necessarily mean headstands and handstands. It just means forward folding getting the blood circulating in your brain, endorphins, serotonin, you feel good. So, you know. Do you feel that the uh, the yoga, you know, cause like with the, with your pain, right? Like pain medication's the worst thing I think you could do yet, you know, sometimes you have to obviously, but right. 
you know, do you feel there was a real, you know, relief from yoga where you didn't have to take uh, the, the, the pain medication? Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't take pain medication. So it was a relief. And I've had a teacher, I've had teachers over the years. One of the teachers was a hundred years old. I brought my mother who was in her eighties to the class. So you can grow old with yoga. It doesn't make joints hurt and doesn't make you hurt. It makes you feel good. Um, yes. You definitely push yourself in and out of comfort zone when you're on your mat. But that's what you're supposed to do out of, you know, off the mat as well. In your life, you're supposed to come in and out of your comfort zone. So do you, so the pandemic shocked us all, right? Like, right. You, know, we, you know, it's post-pandemic now, right? We, we actually, that's a real thing. Like we lived through a historical event that, you know, we never have. And it's, it was a crazy one. How do you think the landscape of yoga wellness evolved, particularly like after the pandemic, you know, did, yeah, did we, opened, we, we opened our doors in 2019 and we were rolling, we found our groove and then all of a sudden everything stopped. So we had to close our doors to students. However, we learned very quickly that our teachers can go into the studio by themselves and turn on this iPad and teach yoga virtually. And we actually, um, taught people in different country, different states. So it was great. And we still use it every single day. So that was a weed that turned out to be a seed. Um, and now we have virtual yoga in our, in our studio every day. So now you, so that opened up a whole new potential customer base. Yes. Do you feel that once the, like the pandemic ended, were more, did you get more customer? Like were people thinking they needed more wellness, more mindset change because we were all like yes. out of our minds did you did you see a change or no 100 percent, yes and um a lot of people since they were home they were able to start a yoga practice um and so they, when they feel how great it makes them feel they just continue it so that was a wonderful gift and as a leader in the yoga community like what message would you like to share about the importance of self-care wellness in today's world because I, I i think like you know it's the old ad is like you know get through it or you know like like being ashamed to not feel i feel it to feel it right so as a leader in this like what what message would you want to leave to both people that are going through it now and you know people that would like to learn more about it so the message that why people should start yoga is that what you're asking? Yeah, just, you know, the importance of it. Like, you know, the, everyone says, oh, I, I need to do more self-care. Yeah. Why should yoga be a core component of that? Because yoga works every single muscle, tendon, and system, and that's physical, right? But it gets way deeper. You learn so much about yourself on the mat, and you bring that with you off the mat, and it affects everyone around you. It affects your family, your friends. Um I speak about like, for example, if you do a pose that brings your chin down to your chest, you are nourishing your throat, you're nourishing your cervical spine, you're nourishing your thyroid gland, but more important, you're nourishing your communication. You're very great at communicating. You have your own podcast. So a lot of people are not. I'm more of a listener than a communicator, than a talker. But I learned to use my words with transparency, use my words with kindness, with truth, all from being on the mat, by the way. And um, 
And then that helps me with my business because then I have a mission statement. I have a, I have an elevator pitch. I have a um, tagline. So these are all things that we need to communicate to get the word out, right? So the tagline, open your heart, practice and give. Our mission statement to provide greater access to yoga and mindfulness, right? And our elevator pitch, if you buy a class, you give a class. I mean, it feels good. So self-care, you learn so much about yourself. That's what we're here for. We learn about ourselves and we spark somebody else. And that's what you're doing. You, you're sparking someone else. Like you have this podcast to shine a light on somebody else. How awesome is that? I know. And you know what's great about it? Like I actually learned how to listen more. Right. Because at the end of the day, it's one thing to have one, but it's not, you know, you're, you're trying to get a real good understanding of someone else. And that means you got to have much better listening skills. And, yes, uh, we're opposite. So I would be the listener. It would be great. You know, I would be listening and you could talk all day long. That's well, I've got, I, when I really have to talk, I'll like go on someone else's podcast so <laughs> I can just get it all out. Then I come back to mine and then I listen. <laughs> I listen. So uh, this is wonderful. Uh, you know, is your family still involved? Uh, you know, I know at the beginning you said, have yeah. they all been still chipping in in different ways? Yes. So um, Matthew brings his friends here as regularly. He's a 24 year old man. So, so everyone's uh, thinking that yoga is for women. It's not. I have, I have a class that last week, it just coincidentally was seven men and there was not one woman except for me. So we had to take a picture and post that because it was a, a cool thing. hundred percent. And, um, and yeah, so I think that they are still helping me. Carly, Carly comes to classes. If I have like a tech problem, I'll ask her, um, and Steven supports he'll come, he'll come as a gift for me because he knows how much I love it. He, um, and he, you know, the more he practices it, the more he gets it. So you really have to practice it to get it. You can't, I didn't like my first yoga class. But by the third yoga class, I was hooked. And we so, know Mitchell, no, no matter wh who sees Mitchell, this is always coming out of his mouth. He promotes you like no one else does. He's the best at it. You know, I'm, I'm smiling and I'm feeling warm in my heart because Allison, you know, my wife has her pivot theater company and yeah. Evan and Mackenzie and myself and her all pitch in and in the same in different ways. And we feel like we're adding to the community or she's adding to the community and, you know, we're helping her do that. Of course. And, uh, and I love that we're both in the same community and support each other. So I love it too. And I love how you say Mitchell spreads the word. I know that he always tells everyone now to take a breath, even before he golfs, he takes a breath. Well, listen, when he goes in court and he's, you know, he's probably better now because he knows how to like take a five second breath before he talks. Right. And yes. it comes out much more calm. Well, I, I just want to thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, to me, you know, people learning about like what a great concept, like cradle the grave, however you want to say concept and, and how you went about thinking about it, how you weren't afraid to do it, you know, how you took your time and didn't feel like, you know, you had to rush. You just, you, you, you let it happen. I always feel like things happen when they're supposed to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think this process reinforces that, at least for me. It does. Um, you know, it was take really a breath. Yeah. And, it was very the whole, the whole envisioning it and having it come to fruition was very organic. And so was attracting my, my uh, teachers. They came to me. 
it was organic. They resonated with our mission and they are rock stars. All of them are amazing. And, but it takes everything. It takes the board members. It takes the community partners, all of our 10 major ch charities that are right here in around this Anderson building that we're at. And uh, Sickles is on the bottom floor, but all of our nonprofits are all around us. And please check That's them fun. out. So much fun. Well, again, thank you so much for being on. Of course. Thank you, Kathleen. You got it. Hi, John Schultz here. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode. Would really appreciate it if you would like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends. Looking forward to being with you soon.